Access to health care is vital to rural communities, but as rural health care grows more challenging to sustain, many hospitals have realized they can't do it on their own. So how do rural hospitals create partnerships that will strengthen their organizations and secure their futures? With passionate healthcare teams, community support, and a new kind of hospital system. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 140 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, today we're welcoming two guests to the studio. We rarely do that, but mm-hmm. it's it's exciting because this is a, a new opportunity for us to talk about some healthcare systemization uh, that's not conglomerate. It's not the kind we usually rail on, Because we on, don't right? talk about that. We don't like systems. Right. We do right? talk about it. We just don't talk positively about it. We don't talk positively it, about it. But I'm excited <laughs> today because we can talk positive about this one. Uh, this one is uh, designed uh, in an effort to make sure that healthcare remains local mm-hmm. uh, and providing great services to patients in their respective communities while maintaining their individual identity, but also looking at what can we do to strengthen uh, healthcare as a system. And I'm really excited because I don't even know all the details uh, today about discussing this with our guests today. So I'm excited to have uh, in our studio today two very fantastic and passionate uh, leaders in healthcare. And this is part one of a two-part episode, so uh, just look out for part two next week. Um, but yes, we're talking with two leaders who have recently embarked on a unique rural healthcare partnership that may serve, and I hope will serve, as an example to others. Our guests today are Andrew Daniels and Angie McConaughey, uh, both co-CEOs. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. How does that work? Like, who gets the deciding vote? I'm excited to hear about that. Um, I'm sure that he talks you to death, but we'll find out. Of <laughs> Aspire Rural Health System. Uh, and I'm excited to learn a lot today as our listeners throughout the country are listening to this. Like, how can this really work and does it work well? You may be in your honeymoon phase. I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what that looks like. But I want to welcome you today for your first time on Rural Health Rising. So to start, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your backgrounds, and your work in healthcare? So Angie, we'll start with you. All right. So I am the wife of a farmer and the mother of three teenagers. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old twin, so they keep me busy outside of work. Now, do you participate on the farm, or are you just more the supporter? I love to, um, if they'll let me and if I can get time off work. Exactly. There's nothing like... And those two things probably never happen. They don't happen often, <laughs> but on a day in a, a tractor and oh boy. a closed glass box out in the sun. With no, no cell phone service. Oh, it's beautiful. It's probably amazing, isn't it? Is your husband it. looking for any workers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my application when you leave. Yeah. Well, so that's awesome. So you're on the farm and, and a little bit about your background, maybe? So um, I am a nurse by trade. Uh, started out as a Cena in the local nursing home. They were offering Cena classes. Wow. And um, at the time, I was milking cows and working on the farm. And so I uh, decided I was going to go to nursing school. So maybe try that out. So I worked as a Cena through nursing school, uh, started as an RN in two of our local critical access hospitals. And uh, they're small enough where you work the ER and med surge together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, did that for years. And then as time went on, uh, got more and more hats as oh, happens yeah. in yeah. the small hospitals. So um, took on more roles. And I would say when I took on a quality role, that really kind of opened my eyes sure does, to... Everything outside of our four walls. Mm. Um, Michigan has an amazing center for rural health. They do. And 
So um, got involved in that and kind of opened my eyes to everything else mm -hmm. that's going on out here and uh, kind of where I think the passion for the rural health care began. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, amazing opportunity for us to partner with John Barnes and the group yeah. and a lot of quality collaboratives that we participate with as well. So you enjoyed quality. I did. And then you moved on. Yeah. So um, as time went on, I became the chief nursing officer. And that was when we were implementing our electronic health record for oh, the first yeah, time. Oh, All that fun yeah. stuff. Um, and I did, uh, I did operations and then eventually um, took on the CEO role at the organization. So um, done a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's, it's great to be well-rounded, especially in rural health, because uh, in your position, unlike Andy and I, you're clinical. So that helps as well. Uh, you can kind of talk that language, which is oftentimes a barrier for CEOs uh, when you're negotiating with nurses or, you know, clinicians. So um, we are excited to learn the rest of your journey here, which we're going to talk about here together. But a guy who we probably should get a cup of coffee for uh, <laughs> and uh, get back and, and, and just ready to listen to this story, because it's a remarkable story of your journey. Andy, you've not just been in healthcare, and so t take us through that journey. Yeah, oh, JJ, I hate this question. So, uh, yeah, I so uh, I, I'm married. My wife Liz. Uh, we have uh, um, three kids. All of them are out of the house, so oh, we're wow. empty nesters. We do have four dogs that oh, okay. take up a lot of our time. Keeps so, you busy. We actually like them better than our kids. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> do not let the kids hear this. <laughs> it's okay. Let... They know I'm just joking. They, right? Yeah. They kinda, know I'm just joking. Kind of. Yeah. No. Uh, no. I'm actually really proud of my our kids. But anyhow. Uh, I, I did not get straight into healthcare. I actually started out my career back in the day as a high school math teacher and then into a Macintosh repairman. And then I traveled the country teaching uh, computer uh, networking and mm -hmm. actually ended up into healthcare almost by an accident. Um, I hosted a, uh, had a little consulting business and I hosted a chamber breakfast one morning and I got a call from a rural hospital CEO at the time uh, to come talk to him. And that's how I really started working in the healthcare industry. So I went in as a IT director and then one thing led to another and uh, a few hospital presidents here and there and a CEO job and a COO job and here we are. It's pretty amazing. And uh, again, we look forward to hearing about the journey that has uh, really taken a foot uh, most recently in, in the conversion of, of your organizations. But before we get into that, we ask a question of each of our participants on the podcast and it's called the why. Uh, what motivates you? You know, what gets you up out of bed in the morning to do what you do? Because let me tell you something, if you get the same emails I do, we can do this anywhere. We get offers from across this country and uh, we choose to stay in rural America. We choose to stay in those places. And someone may be listening today and going, why? Why would they do that? So I want to know individually, we'll start with you, Angie. What What is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning to do the work that you do every day, which is pretty labor intense? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've lived in rural my entire life. And if my son chooses to farm, he will be a seventh generation farmer. Wow. Um, Is I've he going to do it? I think so. Good. Yeah. Good. I've got um, 19 nieces and nephews that are oh all my. young and most live within 10 minutes of me. It's amazing. Um, and my community is full of families like that. And so it's important to me that um, they have health care. Mm -hmm. And the second um, is always the people. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. We've got amazingly talented people oh, yeah. out here in rural yeah. and uh, to see them grow and succeed and do really great things for their communities. Mm -hmm. I love supporting them in any way I yeah. can. Feels so. good, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, Andy, you're up. Well, uh, 
I've always lived primarily in small towns. I grew up in a small town. I've lived in small towns, and I really think uh, rural gets a raw deal. They do. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time that 80% of the food that we consume in America comes from rural. Created right in rural. Right. And right. Uh, if you want that food, they, they deserve health care. It's true. Um, so my, my why is I get up in the morning because I'm super passionate about that particular topic. I think that uh, we need rural hospitals. We need rural health care. And I enjoy the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is a challenge every day. It is. Um, people that work in rural tend to have to um, multitask. They tend to have to know a lot of different things, a lot of different hats. They have, tend to be really creative solving, sol- problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what really gets me up in the morning is uh, that's what I love doing. Yeah, that's and great. So that's great. That's my why. That's awesome. So we're going to talk today about the formation of Aspire Rural Health System, which is the two of your organizations joining up, which also involves many other organizations as well. Um, but let's start, Angie, with United Healthcare Partners, because that's the organization that you had, a couple hospitals, a skilled nursing facility. Um, how was that group formed initially? What was the environment at the time that led to that? So I came into United Healthcare Partners as the CEO of Deckerville Hospital in about 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 2019, 2020 was kind of a record-setting year <laughs> for rural hospital closures. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were really looking for a way to survive mm-hmm. in an environment like that and without giving up that local control. And so partnering with some local critical access hospitals um, made sense. Let's mm-hmm. start there. And mm-hmm. so... Um, so we did. I came into that and, uh, you know, initially um, it was just kind of sharing a few things here and there and how can we support each other. Uh, over time, it was like, let's let's bring the board together. Let's make one board, one leadership team, and mm-hmm. let's really see if we can make progress with this and, and um, make it really beneficial. And so um, over time, we were able to do that. Uh, there's that's hard for everybody, right? Change yeah. <laughs> boards and yeah. and change, but um, but that played out well. Uh, it wasn't to the extent of what we're doing now, mm-hmm. so um, so there were challenges. You're you're still running two separate employee groups and mm-hmm. medical staffs and things like that. So um, so there were benefits, and we could share staffing, we could share supplies, um, and you know there was a there was this pandemic that happened yeah, that in there. Thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, that really, uh, I don't know about you guys, but, um, took up a couple hours of our time and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, just a few, <laughs> a couple hours a minute. Yeah. yeah. I felt like. Yeah. So, um, so over time, you know, it, it developed and we were able to share some services and contracts and vendors and things like that, um, in an effort to, to remain independent and keep that local mm-hmm. control. So. so let's talk about, so there are individuals that are listening to this podcast who have no clue uh, any any information about Michigan in general, right? right? Let alone rural. So give give us an idea. What was the closest critical access hospital that you would sister with near you? And and you know what is what is rural for you look like? Yeah, so we're a little bit unique where we are in the thumb of Michigan. Uh, we have six critical access hospitals that are probably all within an hour of each other, hmm. and um, it provides us kind of a unique opportunity when it comes mm-hmm. to working together challenges because your staff are moving around and, mm. you know, there's uh, competition is close. Oh, yeah. Um, right. yeah. But 
if you can work together and make a huge difference. So, um, so Duckerville and Marlette are about 35, 40 minutes okay. from each other. Okay. Um, and those were the two hospitals for United Healthcare Partners. Yep. And then you also have a skilled nursing facility that was part of that. Marlette has a skilled nursing facility, but the um, the Heartlands is an assisted living facility. And okay. so that is, um, that's also in Marlette. Okay, very you know. good. So rule is rule is going to get. Right? Yes. Yeah. Don't get behind the tractor on the way Yeah, over. or the Amish buggy here in Hillsdale. <laughs> yes. That's, yep, that's, we that's got those happens. too. Oh, yeah. All right, Andy. So Hills and Dales, not to be mistaken with Hillsdale, Hillsdale yep. uh, <laughs> is a critical access hospital, was a critical access hospital, still is. Still is. Um, and, you know, you have a remarkable journey as well. I mean, you've been around in your community for decades. Can you talk to us a little bit about your history at Hills and Dales, the hospital itself, and a little bit about that service before joining partnership uh, with Angie and the team? Yeah. So um, Hills and Dales Hospital, uh, known as Hills and Dales Community Hospital, yeah. right? Um, started back in 1960. Oh, okay. And so it's it's been around since 1960 in the community. Yeah. Um, if you, if the, I always say it's, it's there's more people driving to the hospital than actually live in Cass City. Mm. So um, to give you an idea just in, in size, last year we did 60,000 primary care visits with at a critical access hospital. That's, and Wow. It's huge. It, it is huge, really. And so uh, we really pulled from all around that particular thumb. Yeah, that's huge. You know, part of this um, part of this idea really started with something called the, the Certain Rural Thumb Network. So before my time, I, I've only been at Hills and Dales a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got there, they had formed something called the, the Covenant Rural Thumb Network. And the idea behind that was really uh, to try to look at ways of collaborating uh, really with different players up in the thumb. The, the only trouble is, and, and just being honest, um, collaboration is great if you can get the egos out of the way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that tends to be from tough. over my career uh, in different times, that's what usually stops that collaboration. Yes. And so uh, the, the Covenant Rural Thumb Network really wasn't getting anywhere. It had been going for a while, a number of years. I don't remember what year it started, but a number of years. Yes. And it really hadn't produced a whole lot in terms of collaboration. And part of that, I think, is because uh, when you are so close, right, you're, and your margins are so tight, you're worried about what's the next guy going to do, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're 25 miles away and they have an orthopedic surgeon and you don't want to share your orthopedic surgeon because your margin's so tight and you're yeah. afraid of, you know, it's just, right. just business, right? Yeah, it's business. So it, it really wasn't going to work in terms of a collaboration unless we had a little bit more of a bold approach to this and said, well, let's really try to put it together. Mm-hmm. And so um, although it, it didn't really happen through the Covenant Rule Thumb Network, it, it did happen this way. And so mm-hmm. um, my interaction with Angie and and um, the former UHP or United Healthcare Partners was really started through that introduction through the, the, the Covenant Rule Thumb Network. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it really just made sense. So when we really looked at geography, we looked at the patients we were sharing, the market shares, mm-hmm. uh, things we were competing on, um, and even just trying to uh, play catch up with each other. And so Angie mentioned, like, you know, I would raise my wage a buck an hour, and then I would get the staff, and then you know, yeah. and she'd You'd raise the buck story an hour, because, right. and then mm-hmm. a sign-on bonus, yeah, and the it's sign-on over. bonus, it's and, over. It, and, and it's over, it's and, over. It, and it just didn't make a whole lot of sense, um, especially for keeping that care local in in the community. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the why behind this thing when we when we kind of went down this path. Yeah. And obviously, um, you got the egos out of the way. Yeah. 
um, you maintained a system in which you created this this dual leadership role. And I think we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, um, Rachel, if I'm not mistaken, and we'll get a, a little bit more into that. But the autonomy of your boards, you know, that I'm sure when we've when we've talked in education before about consolidating school districts, the biggest, you know, identity in sports, and I want my local authority as a school board, um, I'm sure you faced some of those unprecedented challenges of why would we give up authority? Yeah, but uniquely, um, you know, uniquely and what was what was really pleasant when we first got the boards in the same room, usually you in these situations, you see one board sit on one side, yeah. another board sit on the other side, and it wasn't like that. So when they first got in the room, it was like old home week. Oh, wow. So one person would say, well, I didn't know you were on the board. Paired up with someone else. Yeah, I didn't know you were on yeah. the board. And yeah. well, I used to work with you, and I taught with you at the school system. And well, I live in Cass City, and well, I live in Marlette. Yeah. And so right off the bat, the, the board uh, gelled. So, you know, we, and we had a big board, yeah. and we ended up scaling it back. Right. Um, and so those decisions had to be made. But right off the bat, it, it the board was like, well, yeah, this... We know each other. Yeah. We, we already know each other. So so why are we, you know, why, why can't we do this? Yeah. And, right. and that was a, a pleasant surprise. The, mm-hmm. the communities are very similar. A lot of farmers, right? Yeah. Uh, um, knowing each other. Knowing each very other. Helpful. And so it wasn't so territorial sure. that you might expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one mm-hmm. of the things I told the board when we were having these initial discussions is that I kind of correlated to my daughter's travel softball team, right? We had... Um, kids from Cass City. We had kids from mm-hmm. Duckerville. We yeah. had kids from Marlette. We had all these girls playing together in a team. If they play with just the Cass City girls playing for them, nobody's going to win, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But as Their a team... Their strength comes together. Yeah, yeah and they, yeah. they were great. And it was so yeah. fun to watch them work together and see what they could accomplish. And I said, it's no different for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just for clarification, what year was this inked? What year was this actually put together and started? January 1st, 2024, officially. So we're right there. We are. We're right there. It's not even yeah. honeymoon. It's just, you're, it's just, just happened. Very right. yeah. this right. is like, You'd be surprised. We made a lot of progress in the first mm-hmm. 40, 45 days That's or so. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's go back to long before January 1st of 2024, I'm sure, uh, is when the idea at some point had to start from somewhere. What was the very first thought or, you know, trigger that led to that first conversation between the two of you about what if we did this? This would be like the fun question of who remembers what. Yeah. And to see what's <laughs> yeah. after I don't, even, I don't even think it was just the he two of us He asked you first, didn't he? He yeah. asked you first. Know, right. <laughs> exactly. right. So, you guys, your leadership, whoever was in that kind of first <laughs> conversation. We had a pretty big turnover of CEOs in the thumb around that time. And so the certain group that Andy mentioned uh, it was the first time that group of CEOs was sitting in a room and uh, having a hard conversation about where healthcare is and where it's going and what are we going to do about it. And uh, Andy, um, thankfully, likes to share his opinions and his experiences a, with us. A little and, blunt once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it really pushed us a little bit and got us thinking. And so... Um, a few days later, I think Andy and I were having a conversation and I think we both felt that we want to do something with this and we really want to want to push this mm-hmm. a little bit. So we had conversations with um, with others, but at the end of the day, it was us and sitting at the table and mm-hmm. let's do it. So. so Andy, did you come right out and just say, we need to shake this up? Pretty much. So uh, we had 
a group of, as Angie mentioned, we had a group of CEOs in the room, more than just the two of us, and just laid it out. Like, yeah. wh- where are we going? Right there, there are only ten of us left. Ten independent critical access hospitals left in Michigan. Ten, mm-hmm. and the market, as you know, is 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 widely collapsing mm-hmm. or consolidating. Mm-hmm. Either way you want to look at it, yeah. in Michigan. And I, and I kept saying, you know, we can either wait and let it be done to us, or we can do it to ourselves and guide our own future. Mm-hmm. And so, as Angie mentioned, you know, we, we decided we're just going to take the willing. And we had some other people talk and then some other people dropped out and was like, well, we're going to take the willing. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully uh, those that decided not to might come back around and, you know, the door is always open. So you, you invited all of them. We invited pretty much everybody who was okay. at the table. So everybody at the table said, you have an invitation. This is how we yep. can structure mm-hmm. it. And you weren't establishing at that time, like, I'm going to take charge. Or, no. Right then it was just the concept of concept. come together. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, to, to be honest, I actually volunteered not to be the CEO. Did you really? I did. So I, I uh, now the board ended up settling on this particular model that yeah. they're at. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I I. I don't need to be the CEO. I, I'm convinced it was the right thing to do. And it's incredible. And again, I, um, I, having been other places, it it is the egos that get in the way. They are. And, and I would look at any other CEO and yeah. tell them the same thing: like, get your ego out of the way. Right. If you want to do the right thing for the organization, do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the board had two of us that were both um, when UHP started. I had said, I don't need to be the CEO, right? Mm-hmm. Well, give me a spot and yeah. let's do it. And you said the same thing. And so when we went forward with this, it was like, we both knew this is so much beyond us, right? Mm-hmm. It's beyond any, mm-hmm. it's for our communities, it's for mm-hmm. generations to come. Mm-hmm. We could get hit by the garbage truck tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this- We it, say school bus here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Garbage truck, We have more of those. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all safe. You're getting, you're getting hit. Yeah. Amish buggy. It yeah. doesn't matter. So then if, and so you, you have this discussion with what board? Can you talk to us about what did that? Yeah, we, we brought the whole boards together. So all and, the hospitals well, that we, you were talking we about. We started with our executive committees. Oh, we did. Okay. Yes. So, That's true. Sorry. Um, we met individually. Well, yeah. both of us went to each other's each executive other's, committee okay. and just kind of said, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what we want to do. We think it's important. And they were both on board. So we said, okay, let's bring it to the full boards. Mm-hmm. And we had that discussion with the full boards separately. And, and you were both at each yeah, of, you I, were supporting each other. I almost blacked it out because I, we had a presentation and I think we ended up giving the presentation like again and again yeah. and again. Is that right? And again and again. <laughs> again, and again. I think I blacked out that whole period. Yeah. Now, you're, now it's coming back. Now it's coming back. It's coming now back. you need a therapist. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. We can help you out. And uh, and so it, once we got both boards to say, yes, we're, we're interested in this, we want to go forward, that's when we got the big group together. Mm. And um, not knowing how it was going to go, yeah. and it just went so great. You know, it. this is people from local communities. Mm-hmm. They knew each other. Mm-hmm. They realized we're all here for the same reason. Mm-hmm. We all want the same things. We want health care in our communities. We want yeah. it under our local control. Sure. Right. So, um, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and they've they've lived now long enough where we have two hospitals around us that were both independent critical access hospitals. That they're used to. That they're used to yeah. that are gone. Right. Mm. They're gone. They were purchased gone. by a system. And and since they've been purchased by the system, they've been run into the dirt. 
So they did they close those? They haven't closed them. Oh, but they're closed. But they're right. Just but not. They're not what they were. Before. They're not what they were. Not so the they've glory seen days. what can happen if they know a this bold could be choice us. isn't Correct. made. Yeah. And so I think also having that frame of reference was like, ooh, well, you're right. We mm-hmm. could let this happen to us one one by one by one by one. And you know, right. as I said to my board, we may be the last critical access hospital standing in mm-hmm. the thumb of Michigan. But do you really want to be the last? Is that the reputation we want, yeah. right? Is that what right. you want? Right. Is that what you want? Right, yeah. yeah. And so um, nobody wanted to be purchased by the big system. Right. So we knew that, and right. that, that was where we started with a common thread. So this is a two-part series, Rachel, as you yes. know, and uh, I look forward to part two here that uh, we will uh, have a conversation about, all right, what does this look like for the health and wellness of your respective communities? I think that's important to talk about. We've talked about some of the structure. Um, but before we do that, uh, at the end of each episode, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. And we want to know in each of your worlds that you've lived, rule, it sounds like for both of you, you both lived in that world, um, what is one of your most rule favorite experiences or a memory that's unique to rural life that you just think, you know what, if someone's listening today from California who has no concept of rural, what story could you relate to them that they go, that's rural? Angela, start with you. Yeah. So I have a lot of great ones from working in rural ERs that I probably can't share. (laughs) To Um, protect the innocent. Yeah, right. (laughs) right. Uh, You know, truly just sitting in the backyard with the chickens and the ducks and the cats and the dogs and, um, you know, the tractor rolling by. And uh, I I think for me, there's just such a peace in that. There is. And, um, And that's truly what I enjoy. But you know, the animals, uh, I love animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of them. They all have their own personalities. Oh, sure. But I do have um, one chicken that likes to ride around on one of my cats. Is that right? Oh, as it word. wanders around the yard. <laughs> that has to be entertaining. That's and amazing. So that's fun for me. Wow. I, that is incredible. I, I've I'm, not heard I'm that I'm trying one. to picture it and I can't even quite get there. Yeah. That's I amazing. mean, if it lays down to take a nap, the chicken's just is standing that right? on that cat and they're they're good buddies. So oh, that's awesome. It's fun. So the, the joy of going home after a stressful day and just unwinding in the farm. Uh, some people can't even, they can't even, well, they can't, you know, they can't even dream of that uh, in some of these fast paced life. So, so that's, a, that's pretty awesome. All right, Andy, we're going to hear from you in part two. So tune in next week if you want to hear Andy's story. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by JJ Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.